0: Good morning. I want to thank you for listening to us via broadcast from First Baptist Church of China Grove. This is Pastor Chris O'Gwen coming to you this morning. And as we come to you and share with you from the Word of God, I want us all to bow our heads and have a word of prayer this morning as we begin this time together in God's Word. Lord, we come to you today, and we realize that we are in very uncharted waters and territory here, but we ask a blessing on the church, specifically our church today, but all churches who are groping and trying to find their way in this troublesome time. Lord, we pray as we look at the world and the consternation and, Lord, the problems, But Lord, we know that your power is greater, we know that your spirit is greater, we know that you are greater than any problem. And while Lord, there are problems, we focus not on the problem, but on you, for you are God. And to you alone belongs the respect and awe that we have. We give you glory and honor and praise today. And we ask, Lord, that you continue to work amid the health situation in our country. We pray for the coronavirus victims, for those affected, those whose jobs have been affected, whose livelihoods are affected, and, Lord, all those who have become fearful and traumatized at all that's going on. Lord, we pray for your peace amid the storm. We look for you, we seek you, and we trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, let's open our Bibles this morning to Matthew 13. And as we do so, we look at the story of the Pearl of Great Price. Where actually there's a two pronged parable, the hidden treasure and the pearl of great price we'll be talking about. but the entire chapter spiritually is a foreportents of the church, a foretelling of the church, its coming and what the church would really look like. No uh, surprise there, for Jesus says in Matthew sixteen, eighteen, he told his disciples, Upon this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Before there ever was a church, Jesus made the pronouncement there would be a church and that it would be built upon Him, Him being the rock. And so, as we look at the characterization of the church in this chapter, we see the spread of the church and the seed the growth of the church explained in the leaven and the parable of the mustard seed, and the diversity even of its followers found in verse 47 in the story of the net in which they raised every kind of fish was found. So we see a lot of likenesses and similarities and things explaining about the church. We won't go into all of that this morning. We're going to focus on just the aspect of the pearl of great price, and the lost treasure. Join with me as we read in Matthew 13 this morning, beginning in verse 13. Therefore speak I to them in parables, because they seeing see not, and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith, By hearing ye shall hear, and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see. And not perceive. For this people's heart is waxed gross or dull of hearing. And their ears are dull of hearing. Their eyes they have closed. Lest at any time they should see with their eyes. And they should hear with their ears. And should understand with their heart. And should be converted. And I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes for they see. And your ears for they hear. For verily I say unto you that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which you see and have not seen them, and to hear those things which you hear and have not heard them. And then down to verse 43 in the chapter through verse 46. forty four. Again, the tra- kingdom of heaven is likened to a treasure hid in a field, in which a, when a man is found, he hideth, and for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he has and buys that field. And again, the kingdom of heaven is like to a merchant man seeking goodly pearls. And when he has found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had, and bought it. Here are two very valuable things. One was a treasure, and one was a, a pearl. One particular pearl. Now, they both represent something of great value. And there is much similarity here found between these two parables and the parables of Luke that talk about the prodigal son. If you remember in the parable of the prodigal son, that it was the three-pronged parable. For at the beginning, it begins in that chapter, there was a lost sheep, and then a lost coin, and finally the prodigal son, a lost son. Each one is greater in value than the other. And so we see a similarity between the parables Also, if you remember in that portion of Scripture, the woman was sweeping, looking for the lost coin. And here is the kingdom of heaven, a merchant man seeking goodly pearls and looking for a treasure in a field. It is possible that when this was written that Jesus had even seen a merchant man seeking for valuable pearls. You see, back then a pearl was worth more than even a diamond. And we can't imagine that in today's culture, but in that time, a, a great pearl, a beautiful pearl, was worth more than a diamond. And many of his experiences, his parables and stories, were based on real-life experiences. But let's talk, first of all, the treasure hid in a field. Now let me say this, that God is seeking His people among the multitudes of humanity today. God is seeking out. And how much is the treasure worth? We might think about that. You think about all the treasures that have been lost and have yet not been found. Blackbeard's treasure has never been found. Uh, Montezuma's lost treasure in the southwest United States, northern Mexico, has reportedly never been found. It included chambers of gold. Even the Confederate raider in the Civil War, Colonel Mosby, sold Union gold, totaling $6 million in today's currency, and yet it has never been found. So there are many treasures today in the world that have not been found, but the Bible writer here is speaking of a treasure in a field. Now, not such an unusual thing, For you have to understand that in Bible times, they did not have banks. Uh, You couldn't go and take a safety deposit box out in the bank. So many of the Jews hid their gold, their silver, their precious stones, whatever they had, in the ground. They would find a treasure box and bury them in the ground. So this story is told, people were thinking, well, You know, I may have something buried of value here or there. And so it would have uh, maybe caused the hearers to listen a little more closely. But the treasure is hidden. Yet this man is dedicated and he finds the treasure. He is seeking the treasure. Listen, folks, this is a picture of what Jesus is doing for us. He is seeking us out. He's seeking everywhere. People who will come to Him. People who will believe on Jesus Christ. Uh, If you would, hold with me and turn to John 16 for just a moment. John 16, verses 8 through 11. Let's look there, and we see the work of the Holy Spirit. And what is the Holy Spirit going to do when He he comes? And He came after the time of Jesus. It says, And when He is come, He will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they believe not on Me, of righteousness because I go to My Father and you see Me no more, of judgment because the Prince of this world is judged. So the Holy Spirit is going throughout the world, convicting people's hearts of sin, of righteousness, of judgment. Just like the picture here. Seeking and prodding and pleading with people to believe on Jesus Christ. Drawing men's hearts to Jesus. And in John 16, 13 it says, He will not speak of himself, but he will guide you in truth. He will speak of Jesus when he comes. And so the Holy Spirit is testifying of Jesus. And again, like the woman in Luke sweeping the house, looking for the coin, the Holy Spirit is going over all the world looking for people to come to Christ. This is the great treasure. This is the great treasure, finding those individuals who will become part of the universal church. You know, everyone who believes, there aren't really many churches, there's really only one church. And that's the church of those who have believed in Christ and been redeemed and placed into the body of Christ and those who have not. Now we have local churches, local representations of the universal body. But they are not separate. We are all one through the Holy Spirit. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one Holy Spirit. And so we are all really one universally as believers in Christ. Although we may have local churches individually. So, the Holy Spirit is doing this work. And the picture we have here of this gentleman seeking the treasure... He finds it, but what does he do? He sells all that he has and buys that field. That's important. What, is, what about the, the pearl? Now you notice the treasure might be many coins. Many coins. And that's the picture of individual believers Jesus has sought each one of us out through the Holy Spirit. Each one of us, he has sought out individually to bring to him. But then, collectively, we represent the church. And notice the next parable. The kingdom of heaven is like to a man seeking goodly pearls, but when he has found one pearl of great price, that's the church singularly, went and sold again. The price was the same. All that he had and bought it. You notice it uses the word great pearl. The price was high. In order to pay for this pearl a great price, the price was very, very high for both the treasure and the pearl. The pearl, listen to me, did not seek. The man out. The treasure did not seek the man out. The man sought the treasure and the pearl. And let me tell you, we don't seek Jesus out. He sought us out. We we may think when we come to Jesus, we say, "Well, I'm coming. I'm I'm being led to to Christ." But He's already done the leading. The Holy Spirit's already done the work in your heart. He's convicted you of sin, righteousness, and judgment. You're just responding to what he's already done. You see, Jesus said what? I am come to seek and to save that which is lost. Did he not say that? And here's a treasure lost. And here's perhaps a pearl misplaced. And he sold all that he had. And again, I mentioned that because of invasion and instability, the Jews buried their valuables, a common practice, and that that they were more expensive than diamonds. But what has God done for us? It says in my Bible, in Romans 8, 32, that God has not spared His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all. How shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? Listen. Listen. He has sought us out. He he came to seek and to save that which is lost. 1 John 3.16 Hereby I perceive we the love of God, because He laid down His life for us. For God so loved the world that He sent His Son into the world, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19. For as much as you know that you weren't redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, from your vain conversation received you by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, a lamb without blemish, without spot. Notice that the field is a lot of treasure, but the pearl is one. And there, God loves us individually, but God also loves the church, does he not? Ephesians 5, God loves, Jesus loves the church and gave himself for it. Amen. We are valuable to God. And I want to point that out this morning in this time of just turmoil, in this time in which we're questioning and maybe going through many things. We are very, very valuable to him. For we are that great treasure. And we are that pearl of great price. And He is the one who gave all that He had for us. All that He had. Jesus gave all that He had. His life. He became sin for us. Dying on the cross. And once He, is, he had died for sins, He cried, It is finished! Our salvation Was accomplished that day. Well, that pretty much tells the story here. There's some other things we'd like to look at in relation to it. We might investigate, and I think it's notable to know how a a pearl is produced. How did God produce the church? How was the church birthed? How is a pearl formed? Well, if you know anything about clams, or oysters, excuse me, what happens is a small grain of sand or something gets caught in there and irritates it, and it encodes it, it this little piece of sand, this little worthless piece of sand, and covers it with this substance that turns into a pearl. So what causes a beautiful pearl? Well, we first understand that the the pearl in the beginning may have been an ugly little brown grain of sand. And listen, that's a picture of us as believers. When Jesus found us, we were just worthless and Maybe nothing and just that little, like that little brown grain of sand. But he's made something beautiful out of us. A trophy of grace. But due to an injury, due to an injury, the pearl is formed. The church is formed due to an injury. You know, Jesus was injured. Yes, he was. Eternally, his hands, his feet, his side attest to the fact that through hurt and pain and injury, the church was born through his pain. Just the way a pearl, a beautiful pearl is formed. And what did this produce? A beautiful, he says, the beauty of a church, a glorious bride the church the believers in Jesus Christ and to him we might seem as we look at ourselves in the world ragtag and and maybe even a little bit ugly but to God the church is a beautiful bride and that's the illustration we have of scripture God through Jesus Jesus loves us like a beautiful bride It says, adorned for the wedding. And someday we're going to have that meeting in the air, in heaven, with Jesus Christ at the marriage supper of the Lamb, and we're going to meet Him in glory. What is our worth to Him? Matthew 10. Can we look at Matthew 10? Let's look at that. Matthew 10, verse 29. And He says this, Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? And one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear ye not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. You see, God is trying to tell us, look, you're much more valuable than the things of this earth. To him, you're so valuable. And I want to share just some more scriptures with you this morning that just indicate to us how valuable we are to God, just like the pearl and just like the treasure. Jeremiah 31.3, Yea, I have loved thee, God is speaking to us, with an everlasting love. I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness. Have I drawn thee? He has drawn us to him. He has loved us with an everlasting love. Isn't that wonderful? Matthew 6, 25-34. Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body. What you shall put on is not the life more than meat, and the body more than raiment? Behold, the fowls of the air. For they, do, they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are they not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit into his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spend. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is, tomorrow is cast the heaven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat or drink? Wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows you have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for tomorrow. For the tomorrow shall take thought of its things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Folks, that's a lot. But he says simply. I know as we look out on this time. I know many people. Shamefully, people have lost their jobs. As a result of all this went on with the coronavirus. Some are out of work. Some are hurting financially. Hopefully our government is trying to get money to them, and hopefully that'll be resolved shortly, and we can get some emergency money to people who need it and are in need. But I say to you, don't worry. have some faith. And he says, "Oh, you have little faith. God will He take, takes care of the birds of the air, the fields. He will take care of you. You're more of, more value than those things. God loves you and He he values you and He's going to take care of you. He knows what you have need of. He knows that you need food. He knows that you need clothing. He knows your basic necessities. Then trust God for it. Trust God. Have faith in God. Why? Because He cares for you. Cast all your care upon Him for He careth for you. He sold all that he had to buy the field. He sold all that he had to buy the pearl. You're of great value to him. He will take care of you. Psalm 139. 13 through 16. For thou hast possessed my reins. Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. God knew us, oh my friend, if only the abortion people could read these verses. He knew us before... We were when we were just a blob, yet unformed, no legs, no hands, no feet, in, the, in just the very embryonic beginning stages of the embryo, embryonic journey, God knew us. He knew us before anything was formed. Does He value you? Does You say, well, how can He value every life? He's God. Amen? 1 Peter 2.9. And he says this, church, listen to this. He says this, You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Amen. A royal priesthood. You are royalty in the house of God. The next time that you think you're insignificant. Or that God doesn't care for you. Or God doesn't care for your situation. I want you to remember this sermon. I want you to remember these scriptures. And learn the parable of the, the pearl of great price. You are that pearl. Romans 5.8 While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. There are just a few of these verses. Uh, there, th- these are just a few verses that signify the Lord's love for us. A few. Of hundreds, maybe thousands in Scripture that that indicate, and probably more like thousands, that indicate His care and concern and love and how He values you, values me. And we should consider all of this. Consider what God is saying and be encouraged that He does care for us. And I want us to think that way today. And you know, he cares so much about us. God commends his love toward us. If we're not saved, if there's someone out there listening, hearing my voice and saying, I wish that guy would shut up. But hopefully you're not saying that. But you're, you're saying, what's he talking about? And this, my friend, listen to this. God loves you. He's already sent His love towards you. He sent Jesus to die on the cross for you, that you might have life eternal. You say, how does that give me life eternal? What's separate? We were yet sinners. The verse tells you, Romans 5, 8, why we were yet sinners. We're sinful. And God says that sin separates us from Him. Christ died for sin. Christ died for us. And God, because He loved us, wanted us to get a way out. A way out. And that way out for us is Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And friend, if you will just simply bow your head and trust Him as Savior, calling on Him, saying, Dear Lord, I'm a sinner. I need Christ. I need to be saved. I I want to go to heaven. I don't want to lay down my head at night. These perilous times we're in, we don't know what's happening tomorrow. I don't know if I'll have this virus or I won't have it or what's going to happen in the world. But I want to lay down with my head on the pillow and know for sure where I'm going. Well, I can tell you, friend, God says if you trust Christ as your personal Savior today, you can know of a surety where you're going. And you can know that you have eternal life through Him. Just simply call on Him the best you can. God didn't ask you to be eloquent. He says, whosoever calls on me will have everlasting eternal life. Romans ten nine. Just call on Him. Through your heart and mind. And that's important. It comes from there. And to say, dear Jesus, I believe you died for me. I'm trusting you that you paid for my sin. I accept forgiveness. Forgive me for my sin and take me to heaven. God says he will. If you pray that prayer sincerely and you're lost, then God is a liar. 1 John chapter 5. And by the way, if you reject his son, you've called God a liar. Don't do that. Don't call God a liar. Accept Jesus as your personal Savior. I want to end this by making a charge to Christians, if we could tonight, today. There's a spiritualized application of this parable, reversing it, and seeing Jesus as the precious pearl and the treasure. And we might ask ourselves, in order to serve Jesus, in order to be faithful to Him, in order to, be, to please Him, what would we be willing to give for Him? Put the shoe on the other foot. The man, the Savior, gave all that He had, didn't He? He gave everything. What would we, Be willing to give? What would we be willing to give to please Jesus? To follow Him? To be absolutely in the will of God? To be doing what He wants us to do and all that He wants us to do? What would we do? Good question, isn't it? Could we let go of the world to have Jesus? I wonder. I thought about an old song, an old uh, George Beverly Shea song. For some of you old folks like me, you'll remember that. I'd rather have Jesus. Remember when George Beverly Shea used to sing that at the Milligram revivals and meetings? I'd rather have Jesus than riches or gold. I'd rather have him than riches untold. I'd rather have him than riches or lands and to be led by his nail-pierced hands than to be the king of a vast domain and be held in sin's dread sway. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. May I encourage you, dear Christian, at this time... The believers, people at First Baptist Church of China Grove, have faith in Him. He cares for you. He loves you. He he wants to wrap His arms around you and show you His love. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Yea, with an everlasting, eternal love. And I ask you, what would you give for him? Good question. We're going to close the service the way we began, with a prayer this morning. Lord, we do pray that there are lost people may be listening in, that hearts may be turned to Christ through this message. I pray, Lord, as well as the lost turning to Christ, that Christians will turn in service and faith to Jesus And give all that they have to serve Him. Lord, we thank You for this time. We ask Your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen.